for the series that we are doing around the Holy Spirit. And I, I really just want to thank the guys that have been preaching. I think um, I listened to Tim's message this last week and Cloud for two, 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 two uh, sessions as well. The guys are really going to do a great job and trying to help us lay a foundation for what we want to do. And just to kind of reiterate why we're doing this, it's so important for, for me. The Holy Spirit is um, the person that we need most, you know, uh, in, in this sense. Um, people have sometimes said it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. That's what Christians believe in. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And we completely forget about the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the desire that we have in terms of doing this series is just to encourage you and refresh you the fact that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is completely central to everything that we are as Christians, what we believe, how we believe, is the power that we need to live the Christian life. We need power from the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And that really is our motivation, is to, is to uh, help us all to come to an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, how we can get to know Him, love Him, appreciate what He does in people's lives, and enjoy His work in our lives. And we are aware that people have come from different backgrounds, different church backgrounds, and that implies that people have a different understanding, came up with different understandings of the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit and how He works. And so, we want to take our time, before we get into talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, just to try and lay a foundation so all of us can kind of have commonality in our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how He works and what He does in our lives. And so, I like this quote, D.L. Moody said this, famous American preacher, he said, You might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as to try and live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. Isn't that beautiful? You might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as to try and live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit of God in your heart. And so that really summarizes, in a sense, the heart of what I want to say to you this morning. I, I want to try and revisit some of the things that we've introduced Look a little bit at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Look a little bit at what the Holy Spirit does in our conversion and uh, how the Holy Spirit changes us and, and, and that we can look forward in our lives to His work. And so that's uh, where I'd like to start this morning. I'd like to start talking a little bit around the personality of the Holy Spirit. I say that because we, we started by trying to uh, introduce the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of uh, force that is involved in people's lives, or you know, that people that are cults that don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person teach that the Holy Spirit is just like a force in people's lives, like an electrical current that kind of energizes people. That's not what we believe as Christians. As Christians, we believe the Holy Spirit, He is a person. He is the third person of the Holy of, of the Trinity. And, and, and as a person, he has a personality. And if you read the scripture, and I've just chosen a couple of um, portions of scripture this morning that speak about the personality of the Holy Spirit. And if you just read the scripture, you can get a good idea of what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. The Holy Spirit is a sensitive person. I love what Artie Kendall says. He talks about the difference between pigeon religion and the dove of the Holy Spirit. And he's just got a book out called Christian Religion that you can buy and read. And his whole point is that the Holy Spirit is sensitive and can be easily offended. And we can, we don't ever lose the Holy Spirit, we can, but we can stop in 
enjoying the presence of God in our lives in a tangible way if we regularly offend the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm sure that for those of you that have been Christians for any length of time, you know that's true. There are some times that you feel close to God and intimate with Him, and often those times have to do, to do with how you are doing in your life and when you are raging on manifest in your life and in a tangible way when those things are going on. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But when there's the sense of peace in our lives, we sense the Holy Spirit in a much more tangible way in our lives. And that's because he has, He's a person, and He has a personality, and He does get offended. And I want to try and unpack some of these things this morning. First of all, the first thing I want to say that we can learn about the personality of the Holy Spirit is that He has intelligence. Now, how do I know that? Well, 1 Corinthians 2 simply says this, in verse 10, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person who is in him? And no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things given to us freely by God. The Holy Spirit is intelligent. He enables us to understand things. It says He, he even knows the very thoughts of God, the Holy Spirit. The first attribute of the Holy Spirit as a person is that He has intelligence. Secondly, He has feelings. And this is what I was trying to say in my introduction. We can grieve the Holy Spirit in our lives through bad behavior, through, through anger, through unforgiveness. We can grieve the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's what it says in Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for this day of redemption. And so that's what we have to learn as we journey together with God, that we don't do things even if they're unconsciously, that offend the Spirit of God, and that sense of His presence in our lives becomes a little bit fuzzy, and we, kind of, we don't sense Him so closely. So He has intelligence. He has feelings. He has a will. This way, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, All these things are empowered by one and that same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Here, the context is... Uh, Paul's speaking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives different people. And he says here, simply, the Holy Spirit apportions gifts to people as He wills, as He chooses. This, uh, once again, uh, reinforcing what I'm saying, the, the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. He has a will. He has intelligence. He, his feelings can be um, grieved. Um, and here we see in this portion that He's deciding what gifts different people get. And that's a grace thing. Uh, you have gifts that I don't have, and I have gifts that you don't have. The best thing we can learn to do is to work together. Isn't that right? So that we can be, see the church thrive and not get into the thing of saying, well, I don't have that gift, or why don't I have that gift? And we kind of get all insecure about ourselves. No, God has given us a portion, all of us gifts according to His will, by His grace. And He says, I give Ed that one, I give Jesse that one, I give Helen that one, I give Clive that one, I give Ant that one, and together we work together in the body of Christ to make the body of Christ strong and to be mature and to be all that it can be. Yes? And so the Holy Spirit is the one who chooses what gifts He gives to us by His grace. Um, 
I love the story in Acts, also Acts 16, where Paul and his followers are trying to decide where they should go. And it says the Holy Spirit tells them where they should go. He even decides on, on, the, on their direction. It says um, uh, in Acts 16, 6, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit says to them, no, I don't want you to preach in Asia. I want you to go to another region. And um, it carries on in verse 7. It says, when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there either. So they paused, and they went down to Troas, and in a vision, a, Paul, a, a man appeared to Paul in the night from Macedonia, and he was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we went up to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit so involved in their lives, so directing them. No, don't go there. Wait here. Don't do that. And actually, I want you, I'm going to speak to you in a dream. And when you hear the man in the dream say, come to Macedonia, that's where I want you to go and preach. The Holy Spirit is amazing. He's directing them. He's helping them. He's speaking all the time. Do you know the Holy Spirit prays? Electrical currents, electrical forces don't pray. People pray. So I'm just trying to reinforce this thing of the personality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prays. How do I know that? Simply Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as, as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep to understand. I love that. You know why? Because so often I don't know what to pray. Have you ever been in that place in your life that you're confronted with a situation you don't even know what to do anymore? All you can do is cry out to God in prayer. And that's why I love speaking in tongues because the Bible says that's what it's saying there. When you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Spirit of God inside of you is interceding the exact thing that needs to be prayed before the throne of God and He's interceding on your behalf. That's why I, I, I wish that everyone would speak in tongues. Because sometimes we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say, we are at the end of ourselves, but the Holy Spirit inside of us does know what to pray and does know what we need, and He intercedes from the inside of us with groans. Even if it's crying out with a groan, it's the Holy Spirit interceding in prayer for us before the throne of God, and He cries out on our behalf. Man, I need that. I don't know about you. <laughs> That's why we should, we should desire to speak in tongues. Not to have a weird kind of understanding. We know why. Because it's the power of God inside of us crying out when we need it most. The Holy Spirit does miracles. Acts 8.39 When they came out out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch didn't see him again. And he went on his way rejoicing. Wouldn't you like that? I'd love that to happen one day. The Holy Spirit's so powerfully just moving that I end up somewhere else. You think it's too far-fetched? It's in the Scripture. That's what it says. It says Philip was taken away and they didn't see him anymore. He, he was in one place in one moment and then he was taken away and he was in another place in another moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does miracles. And then he can be lied to. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. Why? Because He's a person. How do I know that? Acts 5.3 says this. You know the story well. Here Peter is rebuking two people called Ananias and Sapphira who pretended to be more generous than they were. 
all right? <laughs> I have a friend in Sydney called Finney, and uh, he, he said um, he printed T-shirts once for his church saying, I survived the offering <laughs> after, after he had preached this, that people actually were honest about what they had, that they had given generously. Anyway, I'm just teasing, all right, okay? But it says, Ananias and Sapphira, Peter says to them, he says, why has Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept back for yourself part of the proceeds from the sale of the land? Before it was sold, did it not belong to you? And when it was sold, was not the money at your disposal? But how have you thought up this deed in your heart? You have not lied to people, you have lied to God. And what is he saying? Peter's saying, the only pe person you've, you've fooled is, your, is yourself. God knew all about this. And you know the story, struck down dead, boof. <laughs> and then the, the body's been carried out and um, they ask again, are you sure this is the amount of money you gave? And Ananias, I think, says, uh, Sapphira says, yes, yeah, that's exactly right. Boof, she struck dead as well. Man, we say we want the Holy Spirit's power. Yeah? Do we really want the power of the New Testament church? I mean, that terrifies me. Doesn't that terrify you? No? It does. Imagine being in a meeting and someone lies to the Holy Spirit and, it's got, and, the, and the preacher says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit and they drop down dead. <laughs> can see the headlines now, you know? Murder by words in local church. Man, that's serious stuff. But this is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, he, 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 he can be lied to. The Holy Spirit can also be insulted. Why? Because He's a person. Hebrews 10, we know uh, in verse 29, the writer of the Hebrews says this, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant which was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace? We can insult the Holy Spirit as well. And then lastly, I just want to say, He teaches us and He directs us as any good teacher would do. John 14, 26, we looked at already, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance everything that I have said to you. And so I just want to reinforce again this thing that the Holy Spirit is a person with intelligence, with a will, who does miracles, who prays for us, who directs our lives, who intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is the most amazing person. And my desire is that all of us would want to get to know Him more and more and more, more deeply, see Him work in our lives, see Him transform us, experience His power in a, in a natural way, not in a weird way. I love, um, I love the, the, the phrase naturally supernatural because that's how it should be. It should just be us living our lives and the Holy Spirit doing things through us that we cannot do ourselves. That's what it means to be naturally supernatural. And that's what we desire with all of our hearts, to see Him move more and more. Uh, in this church in that way. How long have I been going? Because I don't want to go too long with the kids. Let me just do one more thing this morning then. I've said to you that the, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. I've said to you also the Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's Word. I won't look at that um, anymore, but I, I would just like to follow on from what Clive brought about some of the examples of, the, of, the, uh, of how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament, and, and I just want to bring a distinction here, because in, in the Old Testament, very much the language of the Old Testament is that God comes upon people by the power of His Holy Spirit 
for acts of service, for things that they do, or, or, or acts of power. And the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is seen essentially as something that's temporary. That's, that's the kind of tone of the Old Testament. For example, um, just to pick an example of Saul. Um, you, in, in 1 Samuel it records this, in, in 1 Samuel 10 verse 9, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and he prophesied amongst them. And so there's the sense that God is using Saul in a profound way. He's encouraging him, refreshing him, uh, using him to prophesy. And then through disobedience in his life, it says this in 1 Samuel 16 verse 14, The Spirit of the Lord turned away from Saul and departed from him, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And so there's this idea in the Old Testament that you can experience the presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can lose the power of of the Holy Spirit in your life. There was this kind of, David says the same thing. He says, uh, where is it? Um, Psalm 51 verse 11. After he's had a, an affair with Bathsheba, his, his cry, his prayer to the Lord is this. Do not reject me, O Lord. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. There's a sense in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit is temporary. It's there, but not there permanently. And I want to make that distinction because there's this wonderful promise in the book of Joel that you know that is, is, is prophesied. Joel says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And there's this wonderful promise that is, is um, worked out in, in, on the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. And the promise of Joel is that old men will dream dreams and young, young men will see visions and people will prophesy and people will speak in tongues and it will be there as a seal upon the New Testament church. It's not removed. It's permanently there. Yes? So I want to encourage you this morning that if you know Jesus and you are born again, you have His Spirit. Yeah? It's there. You, it seals your salvation. It... Uh, you, the Holy Spirit infills you and helps you to live, and it, it doesn't not remove from you, right? As in the Old Testament, I want you to know that. That's the difference that we have. There's the permanence of the Holy Spirit that we can enjoy because of what Christ did for us, and so we can be assured that the Holy Spirit will never be taken from us. Ephesians 1:13 says that, and there's the, this permanent thing that God does in our lives when we are saved and we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The last thing I'd just like to look at this morning then is the role of the Holy Spirit in our conversion, in our salvation. And here again, and again I'm trying to just show you how much the Holy Spirit is part of everything in the Christian life. We can't live without Him. He's just, it's just like impossible. It's just like He's woven into the fabric of the carpet. He is everywhere. You understand what I'm saying? And here, even in, our, in, in how, we, uh, when we talk about salvation, He is active in every part of our salvation. This is what I mean. There's work that He does before we saved. There's work that He does to save us. And there's work that He does after we are saved. And this is what I, I'd, I'd just like to spend a moment on this morning. Before we are saved, it's the Holy Spirit that is at work in us who's setting the conditions so that we can even hear the gospel and our hearts can be ready to receive the gospel. How do I know that? Well, the, the scripture says that he's the one that convicts us of sin. 
And He's the one that convicts us of what is true. He's the one that convicts of, uh, uh, us of what is right and what is wrong. For example, uh, John 16, 8, He, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, when He comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment because they do not believe in Me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will no longer see, see Me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. And so here... John is saying that even before we are, have a knowledge of salvation, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, convicting us of sin, showing us what is right, showing us what, what is wrong, and drawing our hearts to repentance. Even He's speaking to us when we hear the gospel preached. Uh, Paul says again in Thessalonians, our gospel did not come to you merely by words, but in power and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. There's the sense that even as the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit is the one that is bringing revelation to the truth of the gospel and setting us free. And then, He's the one that is active when we are saved. And again, the Bible uses so many words to try and describe salvation. Uh, conversion, regeneration, uh, there's the phrase being born from above, there's the phrase being born again. All these, all these phrases are speaking about that moment that we, we understand and we are saved. And uh, this is what Paul says in his letter to Titus. He, God, saves us not by works of righteousness that we have done on the basis of His mercy, but through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So Paul puts them to, the, the two things together. When we are saved, we are washed by the Holy Spirit. We, we come, the, 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 the part of us that is brought to life, the, the, the new man, that, even that is done by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brings life to us. And again, Peter says in Acts um, 2, 38, Repent and each of you will be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. And so there we have pre-conversion. It's the Holy Spirit drawing us, convicting us of sin, uh, our need of the gospel. In the moment of conversion, it's the Holy Spirit that's baptizing us into the body of Christ, renewing us, washing us in that moment. And then after um, we are saved, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that's, this is what Paul uh, says again in, in 1 Corinthians 3. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? And so he's encouraging them in, in, in that portion to live a life knowing that the Holy Spirit is in them and that they are temples of the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul adds in Romans, If um, you, however, are not in the flesh but of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to Him. And so there's this indwelling that happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are sealed. And then after our conversion, as I've said many, many times in, in, the, in the life of this church, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to walk with Him. What, we, what, what have we said so many times? Walk by the Spirit deliberately and you'll fulfill the law accidentally. If you just hear the voice of the Spirit in your life encouraging you, telling you what to do, you're not going to want to try and do things that are not pleasing God. Yeah? That's the whole point. And how, we, how do we do that? Well, we just simply cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He fills us. He empowers us. He guides us. And um, there's the sense of even though we are baptized into, uh, by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ when we are saved, 
there are, there's a need in our lives to be infilled with the Holy Spirit again. Sometimes multiple times. And I'd like to speak about that in the weeks that lie ahead. I mean, Paul said that in uh, Acts 13, 9. Um, he looks at the sky, stares straight at the sky, and he says, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You know Jesus, you saved, but are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And so there's the sense that we can enjoy after we're saved that those moments of refreshing, and, and do you know, I'm sure you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you just sense the infilling, the presence of God, the, that sense of baptism again of the Holy Spirit that brings life to you and refreshes you. And so we need those moments because all of us get... Um, dry all of us life knocks joy out of us and the holy spirit is the one that brings that joy back and encourages us and refreshes us and so my last little example just in terms of how paul lived that out in his life is uh, from um, ephesians 5:18, and here he uses the analogy of wine and he says you know it well he says don't get drunk with wine but be filled by the holy spirit it's an analogy. He's saying, don't let your life be controlled by wine to the point that you can't control yourself because the wine is controlling you. No, rather, rather, if that's the picture, rather be filled with the, the Holy Spirit and be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's much better for you. That's what Paul is saying. There's the analogy. And, he ca and then uh, he carries on in Galatians, which we, we studied, and uh, kind of paints that in another way where he says, I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the very one who enables us to live a life that pleases God in any way is the Holy Spirit, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, he says, Romans 8.14, Paul promises this, all of those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Isn't that a wonderful promise? As we're led by the Spirit, he, that sense of our sonship is sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, my encouragement to you this morning is that as we continue on this journey of discovering more and more of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, that all of us would grow to love Him in a deeper and deeper way, would grow to enjoy His work in our lives in a deeper and deeper way, and would be asking God to use us to encourage others in every way that we can through the gifts of the Spirit that He wants to release through our lives to be a blessing to other people. I love what Clive said where he put it this way. He said, what is the, great, the greatest gift? The greatest gift is what that person needs right then at that moment. That's the greatest gift for them. If they need healing, then we pray healing. If they need whatever prophecy, a word of encouragement, that's the gift that we need to see operate. And so I would encourage you as we continue on this journey together, that the desire of your heart would be as the desire of my heart is. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you better. I want to see you move in my life. I want to see this church transformed into a joyous community that is filled with joy because of what God is doing in people. And that we can release that joy into the community as he works through us. Amen. Well, God bless you. Let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you are bringing to us, uh, all that you want to do through us as a church. And so I do bless you, Lord, for your word. And I pray 
that uh, all that is of you this morning would take root in our hearts, that would produce fruit in our lives. And I pray if there's anything I've said that's not uh, from you, Lord, that it would die, would not take root. But the things that are from you, Lord, that they would take root in us, that they would produce much fruit, that we might see this community transformed, that we might see our church flourish uh, with people that are joyfully set free on the inside and living that out and being a blessing to their friends, their family, the community, that we might see many sons come to glory. So Lord, I just want to thank you for this church community. I want to thank you for the amazing people that you've joined over the years here. And we ask, Lord, for more and more of that knowledge on the inside of us, of your goodness through the power of your Spirit uh, that would transform us and transform other people through us. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.